0: Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to episode two of the season 12 of VHS. This is our new releases and late returns format, our more casual chat, if you will, but before we get to that, if you were lucky enough to go to a video store in your youth, then you recall the pressure. You get one choice from 5,000 movies for the entire weekend. You better choose wisely. Hopefully, you weren't duped by the box art, and I know I sound like a broken record, but Deathstalker and Rotor have amazing covers. I'm still drawn to them after being fooled numerous times. And you'd think growing up in a video store I wouldn't have been fooled repeatedly, but I was, and I am, and I now own both. And it's not that I don't respect the efforts of those involved in the films, they just can't live up to those covers. Sometimes you might get a movie home, pop it in and think, "Oh no, a gnome named Norm is not a fun adventure I'd hope for." But you had a savings grace in the way of event television. Yes, before streaming, channels would advertise their upcoming direct-to-TV movie and that's what the buzz among friends on the playground would be. Did you see the new Halloween movie from Disney? It coincides with Free Week. Yes, do you remember Free Week? We didn't have Disney, so the Free Week on HBO or Disney was epic. That is the nostalgic vibe for this episode. And I think we brought back the perfect guest. So let's get right into it. The film is Frankenstein and me. The guest is Sean Robert. And this is VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. Welcome to VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and I am joined by the person responsible for Branded in the 80s, co-host of the Cult Film Club podcast. It's Sean Robert. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been a little while, so I'm glad you had me back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we'll get into why. But first, <laughs> I wanted to congratulate you on your recent work on the Neon Maniacs trading cards.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was that was a labor of love. I love doing digital trading cards as it is. So I've gotten the opportunity recently to work with TerraVision on some of their uh, record releases, doing like some side stuff. And when Ryan over there brought up the fact that he was going to release Neon Maniacs on vinyl, and he was like, I don't know, I'm thinking a trading card set. I'm like, oh, <laughs> please just let me loose on that.
0: Yeah, it looked great. I wanted to talk to you about the challenges because trading cards, you have the design element there, but there's mm-hmm. also usually something on the back. So how did you go about approaching that?
1: So I did everything myself this time. Uh, I mean, I, I always do all the digital stuff myself, but I I wanted to make sure that this set was like anyone who bought this, that was a neon maniacs fan was definitely going to get their money's worth on this stuff. So I'm a huge fan of the tops aesthetic in Mm -hmm. particular. And they, they used to be really good. They had a couple guys that would write the backs of the cards and everything and like either come up with trivia. Sometimes they just did like, they would just break down the movie and over a series of cards I wanted to pack this thing full of all the Neon Maniacs trivia and factoids that I could find. And basically, this movie is one of those weird ones where there wasn't a lot of coverage on the movie. A lot of the people involved with the movie have passed away. Yeah. Nobody really talks about or writes about this movie. I mean, some people complain about it on YouTube incessantly. <laughs> but there's just not a lot of info out there. There's like one Fangoria article. That's kind of floating around. So I, I basically just mined that article for every factual detail <laughs> that I could pull from it and then just watched the movie like 10 times so that I could get 40 cards worth of trivia and tidbits out and wow. making sure that I didn't straight up plagiarize the Fangoria article. But I definitely <laughs> right. pulled a lot of facts that I could from that. That's incredible. And then just, yeah, I tried to do some research, tried to go down some rabbit holes on like IMDB with some of the people that were involved. But yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun because I'd seen this movie before mm-hmm. and being able to like watch it like multiple times in a short period of time when I was working on the set, like I really got to pay attention to every detail of this film. So a lot of that stuff makes it into the cardbacks.
0: Yeah, it's that's got to be a really fun way to watch thing, because I know you have this eye anyway from the branded in the 80s breakdowns of classic 80s bedroom scenes. Mm-hmm. you know and i don't mean that in an erotic way i mean like yeah. people you would find the things on someone's you know night table or something or a poster yeah, or like the, the kids
1: bedrooms uh, just checking all the stuff out yeah I, and, and so yeah the- i can't turn that off it's it's a weird thing when i'm watching movies like i'm i'm like one eye is paying attention to all the stuff in the background and one eye is paying attention to the plot yeah and I, i've tried to turn it off but it's kind of impossible right
0: well i think that's uh it's it's just how your brain works i guess that's a beautiful thing so we've covered neon maniacs let's talk about your podcast would you mind breaking down what that is for anyone that's listening
1: sure cult film club is a podcast that i do with my wife and uh, my best friend paxton and uh basically it's all the uh, cult films that we love to death it's not necessarily following the strict guidelines of like what a cult film is or isn't it's mostly like what we feel fit in that kind of genre and everything so it's it's stuff from the 70s 80s and 90s mostly uh, the stuff that we grew up on the stuff that had a huge impact on us and we try to kind of like pick films that maybe don't get talked about a ton you know like everyone talks about stuff like Goonies or like when you go back to 80s movies it's Goonies or like the Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street stuff like that yeah. we try to skirt that and just get a little bit more niche not not a ton but just niche enough where it's like hey I kind of remember that film or you know I saw that once in the 80s.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy it. I've had the luxury of having you on the podcast. I've had Paxton on the podcast. I enjoy listening to you guys talk about movies. And uh, do you like rotate who picks or is it by committee or how do you do it?
1: Yeah, each each month we uh, take turns picking. Got it. We're kind of on a schedule that way.
0: Great. That's perfect. Anything coming up that we need to know about or that you can talk about?
1: The next film. So we just did Blind Date and Electric Dreams. Mm-hmm. My pick's up next and we're doing Cloak and Dagger. Nice. I had just read oh Tom Holland's Fright Night Origins book that he did his novelization for the movie. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of hit up some Tom Holland stuff. I was just in the mood. So
0: yeah, I picked up that fancy cloak and dagger Blu-ray. Did you get that?
1: Yes, I did. The, the full. Oh, man. <laughs> the one with the magnetic clip and everything It is, is great.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, that's a, that's a movie that I watched so much when I was a kid. We had it. Uh, and of course, in my dad's video store, but then we had a home copy for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so I would watch it over and over and over and over. And then once I was a dad and got this Blu-ray, I rewatched it as an adult and it was way completely different. I had a completely mm-hmm. different experience, super emotional and sad. And like, yeah. wow, what a great movie.
1: It's funny how easy it is to like dismiss the parents in 80s films until you become a parent. And then yeah,
0: <laughs> then you're like, oh, and no. you're like
1: oh, okay, now I totally <laughs> see... Daphne Coleman side of things here.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. It's so good. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to new releases, uh, things we're currently enjoying from the realms of entertainment. And we're going to start with books. Anything you're reading currently?
1: A ton of stuff. This past year, I challenged myself to just kind of go nuts and uh, read more. Mm -hmm. I've kind of let reading go by the wayside. So I've been doing at least four books a month lately, and I'm hitting a lot of stuff that's been like on the to read list for like 20 years. That's great. I just recently hit the Tom Holland novelization, which is new. Let's see, uh, Joe R. Lansdale's *The Drive-In*, kind of like a classic, uh, well, kind of classic sci-fi short sci-fi novel in the vein of something like *Hitchhiker's Guide*, but darker. Okay, it's one of those uh, books that I think has a huge fandom with um, filmmakers. I think there's a unfilmable script kind of like hanging out out there. Yeah, but it's about a bunch of people that get stuck in a in a drive-in basically a meteor comes down and swoops over the drive-in and kind of puts them into purgatory Mm. and there's this weird sense of like a time span of maybe like 40 years where everyone's stuck in the drive-in and the the electricity works and they have popcorn and hot dogs for like the first 20 years and then (laughs) people start turning into weird misshapen gods and creating popcorn from their fingertips that they feed people and what it's a super trippy weird for movie lovers it's really cool because it it hits up a lot of horror movie tropes and it gets into like i mean they're name dropping fangoria and stuff like this back in the early 80s in the book so it's 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 really fun awesome another one that just really hit me hard was a travel book uh called blue highways it's by a guy named william least heat moon basically he was a a professor who was getting divorced in the early 80s he was also uh getting pushed out of his position at the college he was working on so he just took like three or four months and he just drove around the united states like twice and it's just him not taking any major highways. It's all the blue highways, the, the back roads, and purposefully stopping in every weirdly named small town and just chatting people up. And it's fascinating. Mm. It's it's really long, but it's it's super fascinating, and you really get a taste of what America is, you know, like in all these little pit stops and all these towns and the differences between the north and the south and the west. And I don't know, it, it was really fascinating. It was like reading uh, Jack Kerouac. Um, Or stumbling across something like that for the first time. Awesome.
0: Rad. Well, I just finished reading this Tokyo scope book here. I mentioned it in an episode earlier when I just came across it. It's a Japanese cult film companion written by Mm -hmm. Patrick Macias. I hadn't heard of this thing. And then I saw him on a Blu-ray talking about a film and I was like, I like the cut of this guy's jib. So I'm going to look him up. And then I saw the book was like, I couldn't get it fast enough. It's great. It's really good. Um, I don't know if you have this one or... I haven't I haven't
1: seen that one. Is it very list-oriented? Or yep. Yeah, uh...
0: it goes through movies. The cool part is that there's a foreword by Kinji Fukusako and an afterword by Takashi Mike. So it's like, he's highly regarded on the subject matter. Yeah, it's just, it's brisk. It's, it's an easy read, but also mm-hmm. I tend to read things really fast and then go back and reread it because I miss details and things because i just want to get it all in my eyes first mm-hmm. but that's the newest thing i've been reading i was also reading the novelization of wishmaster and oh, okay uh, yeah that's been fun i've been very into these novelizations lately which i was i was never much of a reader i think i've said that on the podcast but cruel jaws kind of got me into it and now you know i have wishmaster reanimator a couple others and uh, i'm really enjoying
1: them so yeah that imprint they also did uh the Fright Night origins with with Holland is it uh, Apocalypse something?
0: Oh, it's like an Encyclopedia Apocalypse or something like that.
1: Yeah, they're really awesome in that they're um, going back and like novelizing films that didn't have them back in the day. I'm a huge fan of that. That like I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are like super fans of a thing that can mm-hmm. totally like fill in the gaps. Like all the things that novelizations are great at which is like those little details, those little extra bits, deleted scenes, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Which moves us along
1: to music. Anything you're currently listening to? A lot of post-punk right now. Nice. Two other books I read. I read King Congo Power's memoir. And uh, so like, uh, I'm I'm listening to a lot of like Gun Club and The Cramps. Right. And then I read the second LA punk book that John Doe from X put together with a bunch of people, the more fun in the new world. So I've been getting into like Cowpunk and all kinds of like the weird post yeah. post punk stuff that I've never listened to. I don't know. X, a lot of Gun Club, honestly. <laughs> right yeah. Now. I mean, that's great. I'm in the
0: similar era, but on a poppier side of things. So in the late 80s, my brother was dating a lady and she had a cassette in her car and I think she lent it to him or I borrowed it. I don't remember which one, but it is two guys from the UK and the band is called Blue Mercedes. They have one album. They had, I think, three singles. I have all the seven inches and twelve inches. The album is called "Rich and Famous." It sounds like you know, it's kind of like the wham sound of the era. Mm-hmm. You know, like really poppy, really like super produced '80s pop. But it's also weird. It's just like some of the <laughs> some of the samples that they use. They have a song about treehouse, and God, there's the slow song is like really really strange and i just have always loved it and i had forgotten about it reconnected with my friend aaron and we used to play blue mercedes together and so mm. i just dove back into it and it, then it just popped up on um on itunes it wasn't on there for a long time so i've been bumping the blue mercedes and then because um, i can't get out of the 90s i uh, got really into trip hop again and so there's some compilations called dope on plastic one through eight and I just reacquired them all through eBay. And so I've been listening to nice. a lot of trip hop stuff, mostly just the instrumental. A lot of it's like, you know, cut up hip hop beats and weird reverbs and stuff, but thoroughly enjoyable for me. And it's great for writing. I'm always looking for like writing music. That's not, no, mm-hmm. word, no words throw me off. So it has to be instrumental, but.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just starting a Can't Stop, Won't Stop, the history of hip hop and mm. graffiti break in. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I'm like looking forward to like really digging into like the early hip hop stuff. A lot of the stuff that is less emceeing and more yeah, just loops and sounds and, and yes. you know party beats and everything. So
0: uh, I get, I get so into it. It was like my favorite thing that happened in the nineties electronic music scene was trip hop because it was like, you know, it's like hip hop without lyrics. Basically a lot mm-hmm. of it was, and I was just like, I love that sound. And then acid jazz was like a little too jazzy. And then, drum and bass got super broken down and gosh it's just it's a vibe that i absolutely love and then turntablism came out where people Mm -hmm. were playing multiple records you know not just one or two they had like three or four and i all the scratching and the cutting up of stuff it just blows my mind dj scratching pickles from back in the day it's (laughs) super good I love it. And like, especially Run DMC, when you talk about them looping a record and it's just like, that's what they had to, like, you didn't have a machine that did it.
1: Yeah. Oh, geez. Now you see people
0: DJ and they like hit a button and it automatically syncs the beats. And I'm like, that's not what it was. I
1: I was just arguing with my wife about this. I'm such a traditionalist when it comes to things like that. mm -hmm. So like when you have the DJ and 50% of the creativity and just the coolness factor is The collection that they specifically put together the records that they picked out how they choose to where they choose to drop the needle and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and the difference between that and these days where it's like they have these weird digital turntables where it's like the records aren't even records they're just there to cue digital cues you know they have like literally a library of like everything yeah available to them you know that has its own creativity in it and everything but like i'm looking at it and it's like well but why are there records why did they build this station up to be like a physical (laughs) it could just be buttons or it could i don't know so yeah it's it's weird like i I also read the the beastie boys book toward the end of last year and listening to how they looped where they were going to like dat tapes Mm -hmm and uh, larger you know like actual like reel-to-reel tapes to like cut and splice and like pull them around poles around their entire apartments to create this physical loop and everything and, yeah. and the trouble that went into that yeah it's it's insane
0: yeah i love it maybe manifesto is one of those bands that i've listened to forever and jack danger is the guy behind that you look at pictures of his studio you can google it or whatever and he has like a, a wall that's a synthesizer like it's mm-hmm. you know it's like the big they're plugging chords in like like you're making phone calls in a black and white movie and like that's the synthesizer he's that's like thing, you know, yeah it's just unbelievable like the how do you even know it makes a sound like it's just yep. like yep. you know i i love that stuff and so watching someone who can like loop beats of songs with vinyl and no, nothing else it's just like mm. you don't even know those two things go together like aaron and i in the nineties, we. He had the Technique 1200s and we hooked up like a 303 to it. And we'd make all these mixtapes. And when I found out that Huey Lewis, I Want a New Drug and the Ghostbusters theme, like you could beat match it.
1: Mm -hmm. I I was
0: like, this is amazing. And I didn't read it in an article. I didn't have Google. I just like... It wasn't
1: wasn't an IMDB tidbit.
0: No, I didn't even know that Ray Parker Jr. like stole that beat or whatever, Mm -hmm. that whole story. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like we have to make a mixtape for us that's this has these two songs and um you know there's something so exciting about that and finding new yeah. combinations and you know i like to watch those youtube videos where they break down where the samples come from for things and so mm-hmm. fat boy slim when he was doing the big beat era stuff which is right next to trip up A lot of those loops and things are, I mean, it's just fascinating because you hear it and you're like, what, how did it, or the Prodigy is another one where it's just like, Mm -hmm. Liam will have like eight samples in like one song. And you're like, there's no way that those are samples. And then you listen to it and they cut it up and break it apart. And you're just like, it's a masterful puzzle.
1: I don't have an ear for that stuff, but Mm. that's one of the things that I love about my wife is that she has an incredible ear for that stuff. And we'll be sitting in the car and she'll be going through like, she's going through like this deep new Jack swing phase right now and she'll hear a song and she'll just be like wait (laughs) and then like we're in the car and she's just like madly looking through spotify and things and then she'll just pull up another song and it's like that's where that's where they got it and it's like how did you it's like sherlock holmes (laughs) stuff to me it's just like and she's just got this (laughs) computer data bank of like she can just hear it know that oh my god that's another thing and i love that i'm totally fascinated by that
0: I can't do that with music per se, but I do it with movies all the time because I've always listened to mm. genres of music since I was a teenager that samples movies. And mm-hmm. that was like the the way that I knew. I was like, oh my gosh, we like the same things or whatever, you know, like, like once I saw mm-hmm. Eraserhead and there's a scream in that that was sampled by Front 242. And I was like, I hear the scream in the song and I was like, oh my God, it's Eraserhead. <laughs> like Thrill Kill Cult was a great one for that because you're like, oh, what is this weird? You know, and then like I read chris Connolly's book about his time from like his band that he was in in the uk and then he comes over here and he works with ministry and the revolting Cox and all that and he was talking mm-hmm. about how they would just go to the video store rent a bunch of movies and then sit around smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey and just like sampling stuff and putting it in the sample banks just to be like okay i'll probably want this or this can go for this project and ah, i love all that stuff
1: yeah I just launched a new website since I kind of shelved the Brandon in the eighties and oh. there's kind of like a soft launch out there right now. It's called plastic rocket pop, but we're we're working on doing like a YouTube channel to kind of go with it. And one of the things that my wife's been working like super hard on over the last month is an intro song theme mm. to it and doing that basically like she's just like picking my brain. It's like, what's a thing <laughs> when you're watching transformers the movie, what's a thing just a short bit sound that just like this is important to you or like, Going into a Seven Eleven, like what's,
0: Ugh, yeah, like
1: audibly, like what is something you know? And she's like working all this stuff into <laughs> the intro music, and again, it just kind of blows my mind that she has an ear for this stuff, and she can also, if she hears a song, she can play it on piano, just kind of oh, by yeah. ear. Yeah, it's like a foreign language to me.
0: Yeah, no, not I'm I can't do that. I knew a guy in college who the movie Shine came out, you mm-hmm. know, and that whole thing is about jeffrey rush playing this amazing concerto or whatever it's called it <laughs> yeah and this guy knew he watched it and then was like huh and he sat down in a piano and played it and he didn't know how to play piano and i was just like i don't understand how how this is happening it was the weirdest yeah. thing i'd ever <laughs> it's like daniel
1: Johnston stuff
0: yeah it was unbelievable and he was just like yeah I, my brain it's like uh the math part of his brain or something was just like mm-hmm. into all of these weird notes and uh, i don't know that's the other level stuff, I get stuck. If I don't know the movie sample, there's a band called Diatribe, not together anymore. In 1994, they put out an EP called Nothing. And the last song on there is a song called Lu Chao Pang. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all these it's this dialogue about these guys and they're going to sword fight or whatever. And then there's like samples of the sword fight and everything in the song. I have hunted and searched and looked and looked for what movie this is. I've watched countless like Kung Fu films and things. I can't figure out what it is, and so it's a—it's uh, like my white white whale is like <laughs> trying to figure out what Lu Chao Pang was in. Apparently,
1: I wonder if Google's working on like a uh, Google image search for just like snippets of movie text, <laughs> so I, we can. I hope because I've tried
0: everything to search for it, but only thing that'll come up is that song. So it's tricky. Which brings us to games. Is there anything you're playing game-wise?
1: I'm not really. I'm not really a gamer. I've been watching my wife play a lot of like Shredder's Revenge and some of the platform stuff, the turtles platform stuff that's come out. I mean, we got a uh, one of the arcade one ups for yeah. the six player X Men. So when I get super stressed out, I'll just go down there and and beat that in like <laughs> twenty five minutes. Um, but it's it's nothing like yeah, nothing new. Um, again, I that is such a weird thing. I'm stuck in uh, nineteen ninety one when it comes to games and stuff like that. Yeah. I never really progressed past Super NES.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, I play stuff socially. I've said on the podcast numerous times with some other dads, but I got my wife the one up for Miss Pac-Man and Mm -hmm. on that game, we have it mounted on the wall in our dining room like proper adults. (laughs) And the game that I play on there is called Rompers from 1989. It's a Japanese game from Namco. I don't think it ever was released in here in the States. And the the letters are like pant legs, like romper pant legs with little ankles Mm -hmm. and feet coming out. And you play a gardener, and you go around pushing walls over on um, various critters and things that are chasing you. And I, in my house, have the high score. I'm just gonna brag about that. Just <laughs> beat it last night, so I'm even. I'm all five places on rompers top five. It's really I love this game so much. It's like I love these that you can look up these games from the arcade and they have whole stories that like you would never get from yeah there's no scrawling text in the beginning or anything mm-hmm. it's just like oh okay stuff's happening oh god the game started and what does this button do and like once I figured out you could push the walls over I was like oh okay because at first I was just running scared collecting keys but it's really good I've only made it 17 levels out of 71 but you know someday maybe I'll, I'll get it down but that's what I've been uh, been focusing on
1: i'll have to check that out my wife has an ouya with like everything that's ever been released everywhere (laughs) like every rom so maybe she has something like that on her
0: check out rompers it's a hoot which brings us to television anything episodic you're watching
1: No, I've been focusing most of my watching on YouTube lately, just gearing up for the channel, just trying to get ideas and see what's out there. And I've always kind of passively watched YouTube every once in a while, but Mm -hmm. like I've been kind of like taking some deep dives into some channels and stuff that might be similar to what I'm doing just to kind of see what people are doing so I can maybe do something different or cover something different. But yeah, that's, it's basically just been YouTube deep dives.
0: Awesome. We've been watching Poker Face, like a lot of people, I think. Natasha mm-hmm. Lyons' show that's kind of like a new version of Columbo. Really enjoyed it. The eighth episode of it, I think it's the eighth one, has Phil that made Mad God, um, that crazy stop-motion animation movie. He's a special effects artist, and Nick Nolte plays him, essentially, in the episode. It's really good, and Nick Nolte's great. He's just, he's one of a kind, that, that gentleman. So we finished that, it was really good, and now we're... Looking for something new. I don't know what we're gonna find, but in the meantime, we could talk about movies. Have you seen any movies lately?
1: Uh definitely. Shoot fighter is a big one that we're kind of watching and rewatching in this household. <laughs> we I I can't remember how I stumbled upon this. I have a friend named Amy on um like Instagram and Twitter who's a huge William Zappa fan. She's super into the Cobra Kai stuff, but she like I think she does PR and stuff at conventions, so she runs into him a lot. And okay. so she's always got content with him and she's got some black belt magazine sign that he was on the cover of and it was like for the movie shoot fighter and it's like what i've never heard of this so i, I started looking it up and my wife like kind of like came over my shoulder and saw the trailer i was watching she's like we need to watch that like five minutes like <laughs> we, need to, we need to get a hold of that as quickly as possible have you seen yeah that one okay yeah so like
0: it's... prior to the cobra kai stuff what i end up doing is someone will pop in my head and usually it's a an actor and from a film and i'll be like what else have they done? And then I'll just mm-hmm. look it up and just track down everything that I can. Mm-hmm. And so William Zapka is one of those people.
1: He's one of those guys that I've never like specifically sought him out. <laughs> yeah, but like, I love it when he pops up. Yes. You know, like, yeah, I was watching the Equalizer. And I was like, Oh, my God, he's the son in the Equalizer. That is so cool. But yeah, this one was like, between him and Martin Cove and Bolo Young. And there's a the, yeah. another martial artist that's in this that's big but i i didn't recognize him from anything but this so but yeah that is a crazy <laughs> i'm not gonna say it's like to the level of something like blood sport or kickboxer in terms of quality but it definitely goes there in terms of some of the violence oh, he, and... yeah yeah it's got some roadhouse throat ripping and mm-hmm. <laughs> heart. I think somebody rips somebody's heart out and like takes a bite out of it or something like stuff that you think would be a come. Actually, well, yeah, you know, there is what the uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, they make a joke like that or something, right? And or, or Dumb and Dumber. I don't know, but, like this one's doing it like non-ironically. And it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I just loved because I saw the title and I was like, that's got to be a transcription error or something. Like mm-hmm. Shoot fighter.
1: It's like, what does one guy have a sword and one guy have a gun? What is like... going on? <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I people should pick that up. That doesn't have a Blu-ray, does it? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't um, think so either. Yeah, I ended up seeing it on YouTube or YouTube, somewhere. There, YouTube. there, was like a copy out there. Nice. Yeah, that and, and like I'm totally on the other side of the spectrum. I finally yes. caught up with v, the yes. Russian yeah. uh, witch movie mm-hmm. that's been on my list forever. I've had the Blu-ray sitting. I, I got it. My wife bought it from Christmas years ago, and I just finally pulled the trigger on it. And wow. I was blown away
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) I haven't seen a lot of Russian movies but this one was great it was so weird
0: I did the same thing had it forever was like I'll get to it eventually (laughs) and then I I just had to program it into my 31 and 31 one year and I was like okay that'll be the first witch movie that we watch so it'll be uphill from there and then watched it and I was (laughs) like or downhill from here because this (laughs) is really
1: good so wacky I can see a lot of like influence on other horror films yeah and I love the folklore stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's making me wonder, <laughs> like I get, like I'm going to have to like try to see if there's other veins of this in Russian films. Like I said, I'm not really familiar with, with a lot of Russian stuff. So.
0: Yeah. It's real spotty for me. Probably every year I look up like the movies that come out from different places. Um, and Russia mm-hmm. is one of the ones that I always look up, but pre eighties, I'm not as familiar. Um, yeah. I, I picked up Ilya muramets on Blu-ray from deaf crocodile that's from like the fifties and that movie rules. It's really good. <laughs> Super weird visually, but there's like just things you'll never forget that they put in there. Like there's a part where this guy, this um, commander, all of his uh, soldiers go and lay down on each other to make a giant mountain. And then he <laughs> literally rides his horse up that. And wow. you're just like, what? Like, cause they're <laughs> real people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they can't just like cut and paste special effect, like CG stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's really cool to see. And, and I don't know the folklore and stuff of the subject matter. So it just feels like otherworldly and mm-hmm. dreamy qualities. And they built like a three-headed dragon that someone sword fights. And it's just, it's a piece of work, that movie. It's, um, but yeah, any other movies?
1: Those have been the two main ones. Cool. That I mean. I've, I've been watching a lot of stuff for, we've got the Crestwood House sub podcast that we oh, do yes. on Cult Film Club in, in October. So we're starting to do work for our third season on that. So cool. A lot of older horror films but it's all kind of brewing right now
0: yeah and I recommend people check that out for sure it's probably my favorite October podcast listening because it's just all about it's just the right feel it's what you want in October and it's the movies that are spooky you know
1: what I mean thanks yeah I enjoy it just because we get into some really fun conversations in terms of just interpretation between the three of us that that host it and my co-host one of them is Paxson that I do Cult film club with but one of them is more paxton's friend michael may that we just have very different ways of looking at films so it's really fun watching movies with him because we always have a different takeaway yeah he makes me think i make him think and <laughs> Pax same you know it's like he's, he's kind of like the gel between the two of us so yeah. I, don't know, I have a lot of fun with that one that's great
0: oh movie wise okay let me preface this so the way i think about stuff and way i search for movies is I'll hear something exists and I wanna go see it. I don't often see something cause I hear someone talk about it a lot, which is why on this podcast, mostly I'll say like the synopsis and try to list it off. Cause I think if your brain is like mine, if you hear something that sounds like you'd wanna watch it, you're gonna go watch it. I'm not from a film school academy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna do a dissertation on anything. So that also stands for when things don't necessarily work for me, which is three movies in a row. So that's what I'm gonna talk about here. So first is Outwaters, which is a found footage horror film streaming now. I won't even get into the plot of that. So I'll just say it's a found footage horror movie. If you like those and want to see a new one, then check out Outwaters. A lot of people really loved this. It was really frustrating to me. I felt very outside of the film. So I don't, I don't know what is up with that. But then I saw on Twitter, people were like, this is great. I love this. So if you're in that ballpark of like i love found footage horror go check out Out outwaters and then i saw the lake i was on a road trip this came out i was so excited it's a thai chinese co-production giant uh, aqua creature thing i will say the trailer uses all the best (laughs) shots in the movie so i couldn't wait to see it and then it just some beats in the film you kind of know what's going to happen and then the effects there's lots of like shaky cam things that are stylistic Mm -hmm. choices that I don't I'm not crazy for so when they happen in films it's like I just kind of get put off by it and also there's a lot of creature vision that's not from the point of view of the creatures so I I was very confused and not to get too into the logistics of a sea creature movie but those little things you know that we all have that like you know irk us or aren't our, Mm -hmm. our favorite aspects of a film is all it can take sometimes to put you out of something so if you want to see thai chinese co-production of an aquatic monster film that's the lake that's out brand new and then also i watched cocaine bear which is you know the the last two of these i watched without my wife and both times i was like i'm so glad i didn't start this with her on the couch (laughs) because she doesn't need to sit through this you know if you were going to watch a movie called cocaine bear you're going to go watch it so and you should go watch anything you want to watch but for me the comedy wasn't funny and the horror wasn't horror so it just was a very odd film for me mm-hmm. but you know i heard people had a good time with it i think if you watched it with friends maybe you'd have some camaraderie and start you know chuckling together and things but for me sitting and watching it by myself it was not 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 my cup of tea i'm hoping um crocodile is better so
1: mm. um. <laughs> is that a fake? Yeah, i don't know oh, okay <laughs> it should be it should be that's, that's like these are three things that like you said shaky cam and found footage yeah. and like highly conceptual films that are just like hey this idea you know let's base an entire film right all of those things can be amazing yeah. or horrible it's they really don't fall in the middle a lot Mm-mm. it's it's either the shaky cam was covering up really bad cinematography yep <laughs> found footage is like well it's really easy to shoot this yeah or just like you know conceptual stuff like it's funny um People prize like really crazy ideas and stuff. And I'm one of those people that subscribes to the idea. I think, I think Stephen King's talked about this, but like, you know, like ideas are a dime a dozen. I mean, you know, it's easy to come up with, you know, you just throw two separate words together and you can have a crazy idea. Yeah. It's, Turning it into something that's worthwhile, that's where the magic is and so it's funny that those kind of fell flat for you because I could I haven't seen either of them i've two of them I've heard of and I've been curious about, but i've I've also I don't know yeah well, <laughs> I've I'm heard a-, a lot of people talking about cocaine bear so i'm I'm at that point where it's like, oh, I need to let this sit for three years before I come back and
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> circle I'm, around. I love animal attack movies. I love creature features like I'm the target demographic for these things. so if I watch it and I don't feel like moved or connected or into it it feels weird and then i'm like oh god what's wrong with me but then i you know i look what what didn't i see yeah and then i see people like love these things not the lake yet because it's just came out i don't know anyone in the states that's watched it but you know and then i see that people love it and i go oh that's great oh it's good then it's just it just wasn't for me and that's totally fine i don't regret watching any of these i'm maybe outwaters but um but, you know, the, the in the lake, that's so much CG creatures, but they definitely made a giant head so it can go Jurassic Park style next to the car and look in the window and move its eye. And I love mm. stuff like that. Like, when it's, like, really a prop, it's really a thing that's there that yeah. special effects people made – I will sit through anything like you could the rest of the movie could be shaky cam. And if you give me the moments where the ladies in the car with the little girl and they have the egg and the big mama creatures heads right next to it and it's like raining on it and it looks cool. I mean, mm-hmm. that's great stuff. But like, you know, as a full whole, if I'm being honest, would I recommend like someone watch it that's not into this genre? Probably not the best starting point. Mm. So that's all. That's all I'm I'm saying. But once again, if it puts it onto someone's radar that, that's into these sort of concepts and ideas, then uh, check those three out. The one movie I will say that rules is a movie called Bad City, and the synopsis is when a corrupt businessman decides to run for mayor and starts eliminating opponents from the rival mafia, a former police captain serving time for murder is secretly released to put in charge of a special task force uh, directed by Kintsuki Sanamura, who did Hydra, which was my favorite movie from two years ago. He's a, uh, he's a stunt guy who's worked on like man from nowhere. He did the uh, action for baby assassins. I love these, like where they have stunt people now directing movies because the action sequences and stuff in them are so technically great. And mm-hmm. that's what this movie has. He's two for two for me with his films. This also has Tak Sakaguchi. If you've seen the movie Versus, he's in this as a mute knife-wielding killer. He's awesome. It's just a solid action thriller. And so uh, put that out there to put it on anyone's radar that's into that type of thing. Bad City from 2022. (laughs) Uh, Which brings us to late returns. Which means it's time to talk about Frankenstein and Me from 1996. Now, I chose this for a few reasons, but the main one is it's available to watch on YouTube with the original commercials. So we'll be discussing the movie as well as the breaks. And this is a really fun way to watch a movie, I think. So I highly recommend checking that out on YouTube. Any first thoughts when I asked you to watch
1: this? I had never heard of it. So, you know, obviously I went to IMDb and just kind of did a Google search and Ryan Gosling and Burt Reynolds pop up and (laughs) I was just like, huh? Yes. Who, what? Mm -hmm. I am a fan of the kind of weird directed video or sort of like i don't know i everything that i was seeing vhs cover wise and everything i was getting a very like eerie indiana yes disney channel movie the wonderful world of disney Mm -hmm. late 80s kind of stuff so i I was like okay you know interest is peaked it's frankenstein that you you kind of win me over at frankenstein typically so
0: yeah i was looking up the actress miriam sir She was in Species 2 and I shot Andy Warhol. I've been doing these Mm -hmm. like actor appreciation posts on Twitter. She was one of the people I was giving a shout out for. And when I was looking at the movies that she was in, Frankenstein and me popped up and I was like, well, I'm going to click on that. And, uh, (laughs) and then I did. And I was like, what is this? So I went to watch the trailer, saw that it had the, somebody put the movie up with all the original commercials. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to Mr. Branded in the eighties and you know, invited you on to talk about this in the 90s because i thought that that was a neat idea i hadn't watched it yet so i didn't know what the ads were like i didn't know the content of the movie i just contacted you to be like hey you want to do this and you were kind enough to say yes so here we are the director is robert tennell he didn't direct a ton of stuff but he did produce the pet shop boys music video left to my own devices and surf nazis must die so that's impressive i mean
1: that's some pedigree
0: yeah our stars are Jamieson Boulanger, who was in this, and Are You Afraid of the Dark, and some TV. And Miriam Sir, who I spoke about. Burt Reynolds from Smokey the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I like to... That's the one. Oh boy. Uh, this one
1: kills me because it's, it's Burt Reynolds in, like, the same year or the year before Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's, like... <laughs> it's a very specific era of Burt Reynolds. Yes.
0: Also, Ryan Gosling, who was in an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and, I guess, some other things... First of all, it's Disney, and it's October 1996. So we get a vampire announcer for this, and Gremlins, and Something Wicked This Way Comes, where I was like, I'm already in. Like, I <laughs> I couldn't be happier with how this is working. And then it starts off with a castle set piece, and it's like the Tale of Frankenstein, but with children. At this point already, I was like, okay, I like this. If they do this, you know, one more time in the movie, I will appreciate it. And now, spoiler alert, they're going to do it a lot.
1: God. Yes, Master! Oh, don't it's me! No watch her! We cannot be stopped! One of my favorite things are these weird cutaways. Yes,
0: it's really oh my gosh, we get we get the title card and it's 1970, which I didn't know why it was. Set it's in- a
1: very specific <laughs> thing. I'm the only thing I can think of is the director also co-wrote, so I don't know if he had the ideas and the scriptwriters, you know, kind of ran with it and like he was like, look, it has to be 1970, it has to be in the Midwest or the Mojave Desert era you know area like I want that I, I don't know like I, I don't know if this is like him <laughs> like this right. is his childhood that he's trying to get out but he has a mad monster kid energy in this film yes. I mean he's definitely hitting the things Forrest J Ackerman pops up at one point yeah famous monsters of film land is everywhere mm-hmm. in this movie very inaccurately yes <laughs> still in there yeah <laughs> There's an issue from 1995 on one of the dressers. I, I kind of went crazy looking right. up all the magazines I saw.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. We see the lead kid gets caught drawing monsters in class and has to put his nose to the chalkboard. Um, I was kind of a monster kid, but I never really got caught from my drawings, which is kind of nice. But I did draw like very disturbing like severed limbs and stuff. Things oh, yeah. I was right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember very specifically drawing like a cabin scene with jason Voorhees in, yeah. the, in the sleeping bag <laughs> yeah. and like all the crap he had up on his wall like limbs and arms and meat hooks and uh-huh.
0: stuff yeah, yeah stuff yeah. where you're like oh that would have got me kicked out of school now oh yeah and...
1: yeah <laughs> this was five years later Oof.
0: yes yeah the kids are later called to dinner and there's burt reynolds as the dad and it's like he's supposed to look <laughs> scary at first i think but yeah he's, he's just so charming that it just like,
1: yeah if you've ever seen a cannibal run movie it's hard to watch burt reynolds in anything yeah <laughs> and not just think of the gum smacking
0: <laughs> i loved those when I, was a kind kid. Of, yeah. I haven't seen him in forever
1: and it's funny too just i don't know if this was a favor like it's right. so weird that he pops up in this just, <laughs> just because of you know he means for all intents and purposes he's an a-list actor mm-hmm. and even, even at the time doing more independent stuff but it's like he's easily 40 years older than the the oh. lady that's playing his wife, yeah, <laughs> like, in no place to be having a like a twelve year old or eleven year old son.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a great point.
1: It's uh, it's it's very strange, but still welcome. I don't know. I there, there's a weird comfort to to Burt Reynolds yes. in films that it's hard to explain.
0: I agree. Miriam serves the mom. I think she's great. She has some wonderful line deliveries in this movie.
1: She can act with her eyes, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh in the boys room we learned that they have the devil's blankets i mean afghans i've i have a very (laughs) strong opinion on afghans and i'm anti-afghan i think it's a it's a farce it's not really it doesn't keep you warm there's too many holes it's
1: too many holes it's
0: itchy it's like the worst i um, Mm -hmm. i'm this is a very positive podcast but i'm definitely (laughs) against afghans
1: They're always too small, too. Yeah, like they just never cover enough, even when.
0: Oh, everybody's at least one time slept at a friend's house, and they're like, "Oh, here I have a blanket," and then they give you an <laughs> afghan, and your toes sticking through it, and you're like, "This is mm-hmm. this is this is a net. Not good. This is a net. You've <laughs> caught me, basically." Is the situation? Bert gives them monster magazines, and at night they hear lightning and decide it's time to make Frankenstein. So they go up to their shed, and they have a. A body? A cadaver? A dummy, a dummy ready to dummy. go? Yeah, it's like, wait, what? Okay, and then I kept thinking, because I did not read anything about this, I'm like, oh, that's the Frankenstein, and then the rest of the movie is them palling around with Frankenstein. No, that's not this movie. Mm-mm. And I didn't... No, de- if,
1: if you're waiting for Frankenstein to be, <laughs> to, to be with me, you're gonna be waiting till the end credits of this movie. <laughs> I was
0: waiting the whole time. I was like, I can't believe... This is why I didn't say a synopsis in the episode, but like... Because you have to just discover it as you're watching it. Mm-hmm. So then Bert pranks them with the Frankenstein just briefly, like they he moves it, so they think they th- thought for a brief moment that they had brought it to life.
1: Brought it to life with with a, with a chicken heart, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> to say stuff that. He stuffed a chicken heart into the dummy. It's like some Blair Witchy type situation there, but mm-hmm. but it's interesting because it's on Disney. Uh, and then here's Kenny. It's Ryan Gosling, and somehow he's even <laughs> cool as a kid. Right? It I, I don't sense. know how
1: old he was at this point. I think it's post Mickey Mouse Club, maybe.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah.
1: But <laughs> he's already so smooth. It's he's... like, well, that's not fair. It's really
0: <laughs> weird that he's not the lead. Because when he comes on screen, you're just like, oh, you're super cool. There's...
1: Yeah, there's the charisma. <laughs> it's
0: mm-hmm. like, how? Okay, well. Hey, look, it's Kenny. He's not going to do anything weird, is he? Look, you don't have to come. Okay, it's just that... All the kids at school say he does the weirdest things. Yeah, well, all the kids at school don't know him. And neither do you. I mean, you've been here for a week. Give him a chance.
1: I will. It's just all this monster stuff is so gross. It's <laughs> exactly what my grandfather says about the stone.
0: And then we got our first breakout. We got our first break. There's Hocus Pocus, Gremlins, Scooby-Doo, and more. And then Disney gives us a look behind Hocus Pocus. Hocus <laughs> Pocus.
1: Something's up in Salem. What is that dude? The Sanderson sisters are back.
0: They're right over there.
1: Ben Midler, Kathy Najimi, and Sarah Jessica Parker star. Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating? As three witches run amok on Halloween. I've never done a picture with this kind of special effects with the water and flying and blue screen and, and, and electricity coming out of your hands. You!
0: My favorite part was when they focused on the athleticism of the flying.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh man, it's... yeah, that, that's a movie that doesn't hit with me. Oh um, yeah. I feel bad about that because I get a lot of flack from that, but
0: I could see that.
1: Yeah, it's just I don't know. There's just something about that movie that's just not for me. Yeah, it was
0: really big with my daughter, so we watched it a lot. We even have a Hocus Pocus cookbook. But we'll
1: just I move feel, on. I feel this. it's coming with my kids.
0: Yeah, that, that's how it get you for sure. Back at the show, it's Halloween, and I love to see the costumes in shows like this. The aesthetic of this already, I'm like, I, I could watch this probably every year in October because it just has certain made for TV movie things like Midnight Hour. They just have mm-hmm. this feel of Halloween that I just, yeah. I'm so comfortable in it, even though I was waiting for Frankenstein they sneak into night of the living dead so yeah, a...
1: they sneak into the drive-in which is great yeah
0: and they steal popcorn and drinks and they're just watching the movie and i was just mm-hmm. like this is really nice i mean i know they picked this because it was like you know they, they could use it in the movie for free there's a yeah well
1: it yeah the whole <laughs> <of> being free <laughs> yeah i feel so bad for george romero on the one hand because he lost out on so much so much but on the other hand it's like what a gift. Man, what a gift to give to people to be able to to utilize and sample and yeah. Cause it's oh my god, that movie is so good. Yeah. It's so great that it can so easily be making its way into other things.
0: Yeah, it's true. And it just becomes comforting because we know all the references because it's you know, it's mm-hmm. just used in so many different films. We then learn that their dad, Bert, had a heart attack and he died, right? He's dead? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, he just had a day shoot, day shoot for this one. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah! Oh, they totally the they had Burt Reynolds for like seven hours. Yes, and they shoved in everything. And it's funny because so much of it he's wearing the same clothes. Mm-hmm. And there's like a picture that the kid yes, picks up yes. at one point to remember his dad. It's like, oh, it's it's literally from the shoot earlier. <laughs> it's the same outfit.
0: Oh man, uh, we next get our second break, and it's a Disney sweaters montage. We get Goofy trip commercial and a shopping spree commercial. Remember shopping spree commercials? The yeah. the promise of five minutes, all you can get from Toys R Us, shoved into a cart.
1: Dude, that, you... I spent so much time just plotting out, yes! literally drawing maps to the store. Oh, yes, knowing that okay, I'm gonna need three carts because yes, yes. <laughs> where were yeah. you gonna start? Do you think? Oh, I, w- I was totally gonna start in the, like the, the GI Joe mm-hmm. action figure section, oh, and because. Out. The... <laughs> Those are like the smallest cardback things that I could just jam down at the bottom of the cart. Smart. And then I could stack bigger things on top of that yes. to maximize the space in the cart. I didn't want things falling out of the cart on the way back. so right. I, I didn't know if you were allowed to keep anything that fell. It's the only cart. what's in the cart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that, that was, yeah, that was my starting point. And then um, I was kind of a board game kid. So I definitely wanted to hit their wall of board games. But yes. that was like the last, the last stop.
0: Yeah. Once the Nintendo came out. Then my friend Aaron and I, we would because we would you'd fantasy draft the situation that was never going to mm-hmm. happen. But, you know, we'd have at length conversations about this. We're like, OK, I'm going to start in the Nintendo video game aisle and I'm just going to run with my arm and just scoop it all into the thing. Because we were thinking like <laughs> dollar amounts because that entered a part of the equation at some point. And someone would be mm-hmm. like, it was over one thousand dollars worth of toys or whatever. And you would just be like, oh, my gosh, I bet I could get more. Oh, oh. yeah. But yeah, it's but, like
1: the people on uh, Super Supermarket sweep that never go to that little pharmacy section. Oh yeah, what, what do you ever go to the... What are you doing? Yep, it's always the giant hands. Yes, and the diapers. <laughs> yes,
0: why the diapers? Part of this break also is the Disney sweater montage, which I one hundred percent remember, where Mickey's hands are just putting different Disney logos that are sewn into sweaters in a drawer. Mm-hmm. I love these bumpers. I think Disney had great bumpers. MTV had the best bumpers. I wish more things did i wish netflix had yeah. cool bumpers it's just like they would have all these different artists that they would hire to then mm-hmm. create this little like 20 second logo cartoon or whatever and mm-hmm.
1: man they're good the, the, the stop motion stuff on nickelodeon back in the day yes uh yeah uh, it's art
0: bumpers it's just so cool and then like Because a lot of those were like indie artists working on stuff. So like the MTV ones, it would be like Claymation and all this weird, Mm -hmm. you know, where like the M is like a monster head eating something. And like, uh, I love all that. Back in the movie, the kids are watching Dark Shadows because don't forget this is this is a (laughs) Halloween movie. Mom leaves and we get the black and white Night of the Living Dead reenactment with Ryan Gosling in it.
1: I've got more wood. Great. We'll use it to pour up more of the windows and doors. You two, pull yourselves together. We're going to survive tonight.
0: Everyone's
1: got help. Help me move
0: this couch. Oh, Kenny, what are those terrible things out there? I don't know, honey. I, I just don't know.
1: Which is great. It's so good. Because Gosling is like the—I uh I can't remember the the character's name—but he's like the old guy with the family. Yeah, that he's yeah. Trying to... <laughs> it's like I know how that ends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's just such it's a weird reference for seeing Ryan Gosling. You're going to make your feature film debut and you're going to be doing an homage to Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's really something to see. Sadly, the mom tells the boys to grow up, which for the two of us who've created mm-hmm. our childhood dreams in our home and we talk about the past a lot. Nah, we're not. I don't think
1: we're yeah. going to grow yeah. up. That, that mom is a uh, super overbearing when it comes to having dreams
0: <laughs> yes the moral of the story
1: is her eventually saying it's okay to dream mm-hmm.
0: we next get a wolfman reenactment and it rules yep this must have been such a fun shoot because they got to do so much on different sets and with different yeah. like
1: and this the sets and... are like surprisingly well done yeah. for all of these like asides they're not super cheap or you know there, there was a couple that had like bigotures with like the foreground mm-hmm kind of thing going on but a lot of them have like some really crazy stuff going along in the set itself yeah yeah it's
0: really good it's a daydream though and he gets his nose put to the blackboard again next earl tells his younger brother about a hook-handed killer so we get a whole sequence of that in the movie which is like so great Mm -hmm. again and this is short there's commercials in this so it's it's not a long film
1: yeah I, i would easily say Oh, almost forty percent of this film is cutaways to these dream sequences. Yes, yeah, yeah,
0: which is great because again, no Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and his gal show up, and then that night the kids head to a carnival. So you get a carnival too. It's like, yep. what a gift this movie has. There's everything.
1: a lot of um, Monster Squad mm-hmm. homages in this film, and and then surprisingly a lot of big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> homages too. <laughs> Yeah,
0: he doesn't sleep with his mom, but that's... uh, No, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's Back to the Future. Anyway.
1: Still, it's close enough.
0: Yeah. Earl finds the Frankenstein monster in the curious section of Xandor's Hall of Mystery. And on the way out of the town, seconds later, the Carnies drop something off the truck, and it's that! So convenient. And then we get our next break, which is a look at the Twilight Zone Tower, which is now Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you want to see what it used to be, you can watch that commercial.
1: Reaching nearly 200 feet into the sky... The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is the tallest and fastest thrill ride at the Disney MGM Studios in Walt Disney World, Florida. When you enter this attraction, you will be entering the Twilight Zone in a way that you never could do when you were merely watching the show on television. Based on the popular television series, The Twilight Zone, the attraction is more than just a ride.
0: It is a journey back to 1939 Hollywood where, as legend has it,
1: five unsuspecting guests enter the elevator of the elegant Hollywood Tower Hotel, only to drop 13 stories into another dimension. The creative team,
0: uh, in the beginning of Tower of Terror, had dozens of brainstorming sessions. During those sessions, when we're talking and having discussions, I'm sitting with a sketch pad, making roughies. Thoroughly enjoyable. We also see Paper Rama's commercial for Halloween. I don't know what Paper Rama was because we didn't have that here. And uh, Toy Story hitting VHS, which is always fun.
1: It's crazy to think that so much of the Pixar stuff at the beginning yeah. got released on VHS. It's just... And those <laughs> I forget clamshells. how far back Pixar goes.
0: Yeah. Kenny tells Earl he's got to give Frank back, but instead they take him to a mining building. Because like I said, they've got to get, you know, short short film. we got to get there. The head of the circus goes to the police and the boys get ready to shock Frank back to life. We get this windmill vampire hunting scene, which is pretty rad.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorites in the scene, especially for like the set. Yeah. Again, it's like it's when they're walking up to it, you can definitely tell it's uh, like a a miniature in the in the background to make it look like it's this huge castle. But then they went and constructed like a full blown windmill sequence (laughs) that he hangs off of. And there's like... And the interior, they have the, the workings of the windmill and the cogs and everything. I'm just like, yeah, this was not a small build. No. Unless unless this is all on a back lot somewhere.
0: I mean, who knows? I had, this guy didn't do a lot of other stuff, mm-hmm. but I was all in it. I was like, I'll watch everything. We learned that he's at the hospital and he's telling the story to his younger brother who had laryngitis or something. I forget. I didn't take oh, it. Yeah, had, no to get, had to get his tonsils Tonsils out. were taken <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cops come looking for Frankenstein. He's not there. And next we get a cool Disney bumper for a Goofy movie and Goof Troop commercials and another sweepstake. And I was like, yes, more sweepstake commercials. <laughs> I wish we still had those. But like, I guess it would just be like, how fast can you click on things in Amazon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like toy sections in stores are non-existent. And if they do, that's very minimal.
1: Yeah. There's there's, there's something really not fun about the idea of running around two aisles in Target. <laughs> right,
0: right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, LOL dolls. Great. And then we also get a commercial for a Carnival Cruise, which is a, it's a good time. And a Big Lots Halloween commercial. So it's a nice, nice, solid break there. When I think of Halloween, I think of Big Lots. <laughs> Back in the movie, Earl's younger brother gets out of the hospital, and then Earl smuggles a kid out of the hospital, and then he dumps a bunch of pepper in an old lady's food. <laughs> <sighs> Harmless shit. And shenanigan.
1: then Oscar winner's food.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. The kids get ready to bring Frankenstein back to life, but the mom and cop show up and make everybody leave. And we have another break. It's for uh, Taco Bell Goosebumps collectibles.
1: Can you identify who it was that frightened you, man?
0: I'll try. This Halloween, terrifying creatures are on the loose at Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> Wanted Goosebumps at Taco Bell. Slappy's Candy Keeper, Cuddles the Horrible Hamster, Rappin' Mummy, and Skullmobile. Get them now. Goosebumps collectibles only at Taco Bell. Rad.
0: Yeah, M&M's, Disney Channel Magazine focusing on Goofy. But this this Taco Bell Goosebumps commercial reminds you like how awesome stuff used to be. Mm-hmm. Actual cool stuff. Like My daughter never was a McDonald's kid, but she would want the Happy Meal for the toy, of course. But the toys Mm -hmm. sucked. They never did did, anything. They're just garbage. And
1: And they just get worse and worse. And now they're made out of paper. Yes. They're not even like plastic anymore.
0: Ah, and it's nothing cool like Goosebumps.
1: No, 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 it's totally not. I mean, she got a Paddington Bear book the other day, which I guess is kind of cool, I guess. Right. (laughs) I mean, I love Paddington Bear, but I have like the full nice set for her. And it's like this little chapbook. It's so throwaway.
0: Yeah, it's an afterthought, really. And what kid doesn't, you know, love a book? Books, yeah. are, books are great, but when the kid's thinking toy, mm-hmm. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like
1: throwing the socks over your shoulder at Christmas. It's, yeah. This is, not, this is not a Happy yeah, toy. Yeah, This isn't what this is
0: about. <laughs> Back in the film, a judge is telling Earl he has to be punished, and then the mom delivers an incredible speech where she stands up for Earl and his dreams. You know, uh, a few days ago I would have said, yes, Earl is a problem, but now I'm sitting here and I'm realizing how wrong I've been and how wrong she is. My son is a dreamer, Judge, a dreamer, just like his father. And this woman who calls herself a teacher has been trying to punish him for that,
1: because he'll be easier to control
0: because the whole class will. And I, I've been helping her. I've been trying to suffocate my own son. And why? Because he can escape. Because he can look up a hill and, and see Frankenstein's castle. and Because I was raised like that. Your Honor, he's a great student. And a decent boy. And he doesn't deserve to be sent away like some criminal. Because he's not. Now, I'm his mother. I'll handle his punishment. But I won't punish him for dreaming. Pretty wonderful. And then there's a dream sequence, just to remind you, Burt Reynolds was in the movie. And he's directing the boys. We get the last shot, like they're on a movie set. And then it cuts to the reanimated Frankenstein wandering (laughs) through the desert.
1: Have you seen True Detective? Yes. It's the it's literally it's Vince Vaughn's end in True Detective season 2 <laughs> just with Frankens.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. I love this ending and also I'm so confused. It's mm. like this w- would make sense 15 minutes into the movie and then we, yeah. we follow wacky Frank not fitting into life
1: but just ending it with the idea that they've actually reanimated something when i went into this i was thinking okay so this is encino man but with frankenstein again on board i'm in and the end it turned into something completely different i feel like this movie is two rewrites away from being a much better film like sure i feel like they threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall Mm -hmm. and filmed it and then they probably should have maybe waited for some of the stuff to fall and then comb through this i don't typically like to do this when i'm talking about movies about how like i could make a movie better or something right it's like whatever it is what it is 1996 yeah that too <laughs> but like you can tell that there's an idea that they want to get to here between earl really idolizing his father and feeling bad that his father didn't get to live his dreams yeah and then losing his father and then playing like you can tell like the frankenstein stuff like i, th- I think the through line is like if i can reanimate frankenstein maybe i can bring my dad back like i feel like that's a thing that's running in this story Mm -hmm. but they really like beat around the bush with it a lot and they never get to the the meat of it and maybe this is a limitation of only having burt reynolds for a day (laughs) but oh my god like what if burt reynolds's Uh, corpse was the frankenstein that he was trying to reanimate yes he steals the body
0: Weekend of I mean, Bernie's dark. with Burt Reynolds as Frankenstein. Right? Like, everyone I'm would watch that. A charming Burt Reynolds trying to be a goofy Frankenstein. I mean... <laughs> right.
1: There's a kidified version of this where, okay, you still have maybe this this weird leather husk that he finds at the, the fair. But, like, maybe he has this amazing, like, set of audio cassette tapes of his dad just talking about all of his dreams and all the things that he wanted to do. Yeah, And he somehow works that into the monster in a way where he's like i'm gonna imbue it with my dad's thoughts and feelings and dreams but then i'm gonna bring it back to life so then maybe my dad will reincarnate into this thing i don't know like jack frost or something (laughs) just not a snowman or they just cut open burt reynolds
0: chest and put a chicken heart in there and nothing happens and then they're just like i don't
1: know i'm (laughs) yeah i didn't want to feel feel like if this movie just went there yeah (laughs) it would have been incredible
0: it would i the thing so I don't know if it's because it's a made-for-TV movie or what the intent was behind it, but if you just took out the serious like tone of Miriam's character like yeah. telling him not to dream or whatever, mm-hmm. and just put... I mean, it's already got these fantastic, awesome, dream-sequent-type things like, that we've discussed. Yeah. It's just this, the part where it's trying to like give it some weight that yeah. it just comes
1: to a screeching halt for me. Same, same. Every scene with the teacher where Mm -hmm. she comes down on him really hard, exceptionally hard for like doodling in class or. Yeah, he's the one kid. Not even being at school, being in the hospital and trying to entertain his brother. She Mm -hmm. just happens to be in the room next door with an ingrown toenail. It's like. And then she comes in and like literally brings the hospital administration down. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's a little much. That's that's a little overbearing.
0: And then she's there for like the judge part and he like just so he can shut her down. She's like, well, mm-hmm. I never. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, what is, why? What? It's a weird tone that we're
1: striking yeah, here. It, it really was. And, and again, I, I don't know how much of this is the director just kind of like vomiting out experiences he had from when he was a kid that like, oh, man, if I had to spend one more scene on like second, like standing at the chalkboard with my <laughs> right, nose right. in a, <laughs> in a bullseye. Uh, like, I, I don't know, like maybe all this stuff is like super meaningful to him, but. it it definitely lost something in the translation of the film
0: yeah i agree i had a great time watching it but those parts just like the good thing is it's not long so it keep the movie keeps going but it's like Mm -hmm. when it pops back into those sequences of like the wolfman or night of living dead i was like oh yeah i'm here for this like this is my jam but it's those brief like melodramatic parts where they're like this is the story of why we yeah. should all dream and don't let people crush your dream, even if your her dream was to marry someone very, very much older than she was.
1: It didn't help, too, that the music was really, like, jaunty and upbeat in a yes. lot of the segments, even when it was trying to be creepy. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like if there was, like, a slightly more sinister or quiet and something, if the music had been different, I think it would have affected a lot of it. But then I, another thing I took away is, like, this whole movie... <sighs> It kind of felt like a '90s era Reese's Peanut Butter Cup commercial, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's the style of humor, the in-your-face, and like even with like the monster stuff and like the way that they play off some of the monster stuff in the sequences is like literally they're just stealing a peanut butter cup. And... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's. I feel like with the commercials,
0: kind of putting it in the context of 1996, it is very 1996. It feels very mm-hmm. like you know the goosebumps are you afraid of the dark type of stuff but like they're like we're, sure. we're making yeah. a movie so it's not like those half hour tv shows or whatever but no, it's like no. you know <laughs> it feels very similar and man i wish i mean i remember watching stuff like this not as late as 96 but definitely in the 80s and
1: early 90s oh like, sure some of those amazing stories episodes mm-hmm. like with uh, christopher lloyd where he plays the teacher that gets his head cut off <laughs> yes. like is very much yeah. in this vein yep and I feel some, you know, maybe some better directors handled that stuff. But, you know, with someone that had a little bit more experience, maybe.
0: Yeah. And I don't know, maybe Disney, this is like what they were looking for, for mm. this, you know, type of time. It's interesting, too, because they keep over and over and over being like, we're going to show you Hocus Pocus and Gremlins. And then they're like, and something wicked
1: this way comes. And it's like,
0: <laughs> dude, what?
1: <laughs> this yeah. is
0: a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah aside real quick I still am fascinated that something wicked this way comes as a Disney movie yeah. it's, it really is an outlier in a lot of their stuff it's amazing it was made the way that it was made at the time yeah it's again such a gift
0: I I mean, that was just in the kids section of our video store. Like, Mm -hmm. and I would be like looking at Transformers, the movie and next to it, something (laughs) wicked this way comes. And I'm like, this is, we need to move this somewhere else. Like, yeah, this is completely different. Put this Mm -hmm. by Darby and the little people or something. (laughs) Like, it's just, oh man, something wicked that messes you up. But yeah, that's the end of Frankenstein and me. Ryan Gosling's classic film. Any, (laughs) Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean I could totally see Blade Runner 2049 or whatever like I could sure. I could see his like I could see him honing what would, what would become Now, I I I really enjoyed this movie. I think I love it even more being as huge of a Monster Squad fan as I am because I could see like I could see this guy doing the same thing that Fred Decker was doing with the Monster Squad, but it's like A copy of a copy of a copy Mm -hmm. so like there's literally a sequence in here that's like the et homage with the sunset happening during the trick-or-treating and all the people are in shadow and it's like oh my god it's that exact same scene again but you know three copies down the road so it's like i I appreciate what they were doing i feel like this is something that i might go back and watch and just try to like fast forward to all the cut scenes like make my own super cut of just Oh, I'm, sh-
0: I'm, d- I'm stuff is great. 100% showing this to my wife and I'm probably going to fast forward through everything that's not those <laughs> scenes in October. Yep. Or I might just watch the whole thing. I mean, it's not long and it, it is yes. kind of fun the way that it like normally we get if you watch something online and it has commercials, it's random when they shove them into the thing and it's like, yeah, everything
1: breaks weird and everything. It's but It's yeah. so
0: bizarre. And in this, it's like very you know they've got the perfect disney bumpers and it's a lot of just disney mm-hmm. disney i was really hoping we were going to get a variety of commercials because that's what i really wanted to discuss with you is like these weird 90s commercials that would have been in there so we get a little bit but it's um i think it's regional stuff
1: because yeah I... it's, it's it's regional and a lot of the disney channel stuff tends to be disney related yeah. commercials and that stuff so yeah but it's still fun
0: yeah i agree it's a fun thing to come across i couldn't save it for October, because once I knew it existed, I was like, well, this just has to happen. So I'm so glad that you were available to have this conversation, and thank you for watching Frankenstein and me. Thank
1: you for introducing me to it. I, <laughs> I really had a lot of fun digging through this one. Awesome. Where can people find you? So now, basically, if you want to hear me, you can find me at the Cult Film Club, uh, cultfilmclub.com. If you want to read the junk I've written, even the stuff from Brandon, I ported everything over to the new site, everything that was relevant, awesome. um, basically. So Plastic Rocket Pop is my one-stop shop now. Hopefully to have a YouTube channel soon. Definitely have a whole archive of stuff there to read. Um, We've been posting new stuff. Yeah.
0: Also, I will say, because you've mentioned Monster Squad a few times on here, if someone's listening and they aren't aware of this podcast or your podcast or your love for Monster Squad, you have a truly impressive collection of Monster Squad things. Yeah, I do. (laughs) And you're in the documentary about Monster Squad called Wolfman's Got Nards.
1: Yep, yep. I was I was really lucky that uh, Andre Gower asked me to take part and, and interview me. That's actually coming out if you're in Germany. Hmm. Wicked Vision is putting out a new uh, Blu-ray of Monster Squad out there, and they're including Wolfman's Got Nards on that. So Whoa. I feel pretty cool that I'll be on a version of Monster Squad That's, putting out in the, the I, ether somewhere.
0: I love stuff like that. I love that you've loved something so much that it got to a point where you're included in the documentary about it and then that is now included on
1: something that include i mean it's with the movie it's wild just stopping to think like with the whole documentary thing like i don't know if i talked about this the first time i was on but it's so crazy what andre did was so nice on on so many levels and involving me but like he gave me the gift of being a part of this but also like i've been on screen at the egyptian theater (laughs) in california yeah. i've been on drive-ins all over the country when he takes wolfman's got nards around i've screened in every country like australia everywhere in europe japan like it's crazy to think that like on a silver screen somewhere yeah been <laughs> there even if i haven't been there it's so cool that's, that's pretty nuts yeah yeah so I that love... was that's a, that's a gift that um yeah i'll never be able to thank in quite quite enough for that i love that
0: it's funny, sometimes this is slightly different, but even like a simple idea for something, like I had a, a friend who's a, a chef and he has a restaurant called Nodoguro. They were doing themed monthly or couple months dinners. And it was like a Japanese format, like omakase. Mm-hmm. And they were doing like a like a spirited away one and whatnot. And I was sort of selfishly coming up with this idea, but I said, how about Twin Peaks? I would love to see how you would do these Japanese dishes, but inspired by Twin Peaks, and he was like, "Oh, totally!" And so he did, and there was like fish in the percolator and all this stuff, and it was amazing. Well, that's that was the idea. That was it. Mm-hmm. But Questlove was writing a book, and he heard about this David Lynch Twin Peaks themed dinner. Oh wow! So he had Ryan, the chef, fly to L.A. and make the meal for Questlove and David Lynch. Whoa,
1: that's that's huge.
0: Isn't that crazy? And like that is crazy, yeah. I had an idea that I just threw out there into the world to my friend, and that resulted in him getting to meet David Lynch. And he would go out when David Lynch would have his smoke breaks and he would just talk to him. And I was like, It's so cool. So it's just <laughs> like and it doesn't involve me at all. Like I got to go eat the dinner here in Portland, but like he got to meet David Lynch because sure, I Or it's so like <sighs>
1: I'm not a religious person, but there's something to be said about creativity, friendship, yeah. sharing things, and where that leads that is that is amazing. It really is. And if you're tuned into it, I don't know. It can be life-changing. I don't know. It's just great. There's so many fun things that can come from that. I love just being a small part. Me <laughs> Even too. If you know, I don't need to be the flashy part. I just nah. need to be involved enough to, to appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And just the part of I don't need credit or anything, but playing a role in like increasing someone's awareness of something that's going to bring them joy. Or mm-hmm. like somebody could watch a movie based on your discussion on Colt Film Club. And that could be the movie that the last one they watch with their parent, or mm-hmm. it's one that they watch over and over with with the sibling or something like it's just like, yep. it becomes the fabric of their life. And to get to be a tiny tiny little part in that is all good it's all good yep. stuff like you know so who knows maybe somebody out there their favorite film of the year is going to be frankenstein and me i honestly
1: hope so <laughs> <laughs> Probably there's, there's some general love in that film that i think needs to be experienced yeah i agree well sean it's been absolutely
0: fantastic getting to talk to you like you said it has been a minute so i'm so glad that you were available for this thank
1: you for having me back
0: absolutely Alright, well, that's the, uh, the end of the episode. I'm Dirk Marshall, and this has been VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns.